Hello, welcome to the Supernatural Podcast. I'm Jill and I'm here with my podcasting partner, Daniel. Hello, Jill, and hello, listeners. Hello, listeners, and we are back for a special episode. We're actually going to be talking about why we should be lifting heavy things. But first of all, let's talk about Dan and the birth of his new daughter. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> traumatized, but ha very happy. <laughs> That's the way I'll put it. <laughs> That's kind of like how most new parents are traumatized, but happy because it's like we were just talking off air before about having babies and stuff and how it dramatically changes your life doesn't it yeah there's a few phrases that come to mind shell-shocked um very steep learning curve <laughs> all, mm -hmm. all consuming the, those are the things but amazing as well so yeah yeah we were just talking off air that your life literally changes within just a blink of an eye doesn't it the whole yeah. birth process you, you can prepare all you want but especially as a bloke like the obviously as a woman you're pregnant and you can kind of prepare for it you know something's happening your body changes but as a bloke nothing really changes until the birth so it's like there's life on the morning <laughs> and the baby comes and there's a totally different life on the afternoon and it's uh there's a there's an adjustment period <laughs> i'm kind of getting to grips with it now but yeah it's amazing so you've got a little baby daughter called Sophia. yeah yes. i love that Sophia, name. yeah she was ten pound too for anyone who's interested in. Oh, she is. <laughs> she's, <massive. laughs> she's a what man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, when they lifted her out, like I was just absolutely astonished at how big she was, and she got a full <laughs> head of black hair, and, it, and not one hair has fell out. So she's a uh, she's a little bit unique, but uh, yeah, she's lovely. Oh, and she's man. been a, and she's been a pretty good baby, I must admit. So it's regardless, it's difficult, but she's been okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know we were just saying that like, when you go from like being a single person, man or woman, or you're still a single person, man or woman, you don't have any idea what it's like to be a parent. <laughs> How hard nothing it can, is. Nothing can teach it for what it's like. It's, no, no. It's it's really full on, and it's and you do you realize how adaptable you are, and how and you almost feel as though the the your prior life you were like. Jesus Christ, I was so selfish. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like, I'm looking after this thing and all my time is dedicated towards raising this child. Like, I was so selfish before. Why didn't I use my time more wisely? <laughs> because <laughs> you would kill for some free time then, wouldn't you? Gosh, yeah. Especially the early days. I mean, it does get a little bit better when they get a little bit more independence. But mm. yeah, it is. It's just like you just want to go out and you can't just go for a walk because it takes like three hours to get. Yeah. And then you just get them all. I remember getting, spending ages getting all ready and then they vomit all over themselves or something or all over you. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, fill the nappy, yeah. Um, Helen was Helen was getting a, at the hairdressers the other day and Sophia did an explosive poo. So it went <laughs> up the nappy, through her clothes. Oh. So Hen Helen ended up in the bloody toilet for half of the hairdressing visit changing her clothes getting it cleaned up and it's like it's just it's just par for the course but it's just so like it's just difficult it? it's just a joy isn't it but i mean they're so cute and lovely like you wouldn't swap them yeah. for the world but oh my god it's hard work <laughs> it doesn't yeah, switch yeah. off that's the thing they haven't got an off switch which would be quite a good idea i think yeah but the it's it's strange because when they first born it's like it's very amazing and you think wow i've got this little thing and then and then there's the wave of like chaos because you're getting used to being a parent but now i'm like nine weeks in and now like the bond is starting to really develop and she's starting to smile and and like we know her personality and now it's becoming like really amazing 
Yeah. Well, I'm sure there'll be another wave of like terror to come when she starts teething. <laughs> so, oh yeah, you've got that to look forward to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's but, just like, like when you've got babies, you just think you've got into a routine, a nice routine, and then it changes. And then mm-hmm. you're like, oh, why have they dropped that feed? Why are they not sleeping at that time? And then you're like, I like that bit of time. And then <laughs> and then you're getting used to the next bit. And then and then teething happens. And it's normally when you just all go back to work and then like <laughs> you're mm-hmm. up all night. And then it's like it's just constantly changing. But it's it's wonderful. But yeah, it's also hard work. <laughs> yeah, and I've got like a massive appreciation for not just all parents out there, but especially the women to go through the pregnancy and then like the burden like I, I do as much as i can but helen still does 10 times more than me because like it's the the most amazing thing out of it all is you see how maternal the mother is and how much a baby knows the mother like instantly so when sophia was born they, they got her out and she was crying which is a good sign she was crying and screaming straight away so the midwife got her cleaned her up weighed it all you know did all that thing for like five ten minutes maybe and Sophia was screaming all the time. So then when they wrapped her up and everything, they brought her over and just put her on Helen's chest and she just stopped straight away. Wow. And it's like, you hear about these things, but then when you see it, like, in front of your eyes and you're like, Sophia just knew who Helen was. Yeah, like a voice and smell, voice, everything. Yeah. And it was like, to see it right in front of me was like, this is like, wow. It's like, <laughs> it, it was amazing. There is like a lot of amazing moments, isn't there? Yeah. So, like, I really, like, do have appreciation for, like, that mother-child bond now. Like, it's it's strong and real, isn't it? Oh, gosh, yeah. Like, sometimes if the boys, like, over the years have been ill, Stephen will just go to me, what do you think? <laughs> like, yeah, what's your yeah, instinct telling you? Like, do, do we need to take them to the doctor? Like, I'll always know when something's really bad or something's just, like, passing. And, like, Stephen even, now he just still goes, what's, what's your instinct? And I'm like, right, yeah, we need to take him to the doctor. <laughs> Mm. Oh, oh, this is okay. We'll we'll just give it a day or two, and it'll be fine. Yeah, oh. I can totally appreciate that now because, yeah. like, for all that you might not think you're paying attention to them, you're always alert and you learn the behaviour and things like that. But for the mother, it's like this superpower, which is just like you you're just totally seem to in know. tune with them. Totally, <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, the 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 man can come in and do like, yeah, we help out, but it's like we don't have the superpower. We kind of <laughs> we kind of winging it a little bit. Yeah, well, that's can. what the feminine, that's divine feminine, it isn't is, it? It is, yin and the yang, yeah, definitely. And like to see that, to see that like at its most powerful now, like, I really, really appreciate it. It's, it's fascinating as well. But you also appreciate what yeah. you put your own mother through. Like when you've been stayed out all night, not oh. telling her where you are, that literally would drive a mother mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the worry, like the no, everyone said like you don't you don't know what worry and stress is until you have a child, and now I can appreciate it. And she's only nine weeks; she's never been out of our sight. So, yeah, massive respect to anyone who has kids and goes through it because it's it's real. <laughs> it is real. It's totally real, and it's like, yeah, it's one of those things—the burdens that you have to like carry <laughs> yeah, as a mother, yeah. and then also it's like the joy that you carry with you as well but it's like two a double-edged sword isn't it of joy and worry yeah it's it's like a it's a heavy mix of like drastic emotions isn't it yeah because like you can be like absolutely exhausted tired you know stressed and then baby will do something and like your heart just melts and you're like <laughs> it's like wow do you know what i mean it's I made crazy, this. Yeah. Did you, did you keep going through like I made, I made this. This, <laughs> this human. 
Helen keeps saying that. Yeah, I, I don't say that, but Helen often does. She just looks at it because, like, for better or worse, she really looks like me. <laughs> so I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but she like she's she's a blend of me and you. Like, how how amazing is it? And like, yeah, well, you just you, well, know, evolutionarily, I was I read a lot of Desmond Morris human ape books when I was pregnant, and I remember Desmond. Desmond, <laughs> Des, <laughs> I was on first name terms with him. He said that baby is born. When the baby's first born, they are designed to look like their father. So the father evolutionary knows it's knows. his baby. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah it so, makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, and then they start at about like around about 12, 9 to twelve weeks. They start looking like like the mother as well, like yeah. blending together. Yeah, and this, this, obviously you learn all the the. the kind of miracle facts like Sophia was born and she already has all of the eggs in her body for when she's ready mm-hmm. to become pregnant when she's older I thought that would just develop over time but no she's born with everything she already needs yeah and, the- and it's just like oh my god like and then <laughs> like you were saying when they they bring her out and all of a sudden she starts she's being in the womb and then one second later she's out in the real world and her lungs start working a voice box starts working digestive system works different it's like she opened her eyes like a little bit. It's it's like how any baby ever survives. But then you look at nature and like mammals are born and then they, they up and running two yeah. minutes later. It's like it it is an absolute miracle and it's just, it's astonishing. Like my I wasn't really that massively emotional when she was born. It was more just amazement. It was just totally amazing to, to see. So yeah, but it's been nine weeks now and we're getting back to some sort of normality-ish. I've started going back to the gym again because that was just like, forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, and it was you, Christmas that's time. your like, kind of lifeblood, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and it was Christmas time as well, which is, you know, even, yeah. the, even the most hardcore can like slack off a little bit. So now I'm back and it kind of leads into what we were going to talk about, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Oh, well, I'm glad all is well and baby's safe and sound in the world and everything's going going well it's just uh, yeah it's, it is a bit of a shock <laughs> that first first few weeks but it will get yeah. easier ish yeah i've got some i've got some color back on my face now yeah <laughs> yeah <it is. laughs> well i'm glad yeah. everybody's fitting well that's the main thing so you'll have to, you might as well do this on air catch me up on what you've been doing the past nine ten weeks because it's just oh. gone over so quick for me yeah, so what have I been doing? I released my book, The Embodied Core, that I'm selling well. So yeah, you you just released that on the yes on the last the start one. Of the last podcast, yeah. Uh huh. So that's uh huh. So that was is out and going well. What over Christmas had a really quiet Christmas actually. Stephen was really ill. He's had this hideous chest infection that's been going round, and oh yeah, he was just so ill with it. So we didn't really go anywhere or do anything because. You couldn't couldn't get off the sofa. <laughs> it's like one of those things where you go and do something for like five minutes, and then have to lie down for three hours because you. Yeah. So he was he was really ill. Bless him. Yeah. So just quiet, quiet New Year, quiet Christmas, and then what am I doing now? I'm just getting ready to launch my new membership program called the Wisdom Well, which is going to be all about like it's kind of bringing the physical and the mystical together. So we're doing like. We will be doing like strength training programs, which we're going to talk about today, but also mm. in like physical stuff like mobility training, stretching and all of that kind of stuff, but also the kind of mystical things like goddess kind of channeling and we'll have a theme every season. Oh, cool. So we'll be doing breath work and 
yoga nidra and all sorts of things so it's going to be quite cool it's a very good amalgamation of all your interests and specialities isn't it it's all coming together dan i feel like yeah yeah. this is the year it's all going to come together (laughs) well all those things people don't think like the you might talk about strength training but then you might talk about i don't know crystals or healing yeah like like we've spoke about in loads of our podcasts before the body is a cybernetic system all the systems play into another so you might think strength training and looking after your body has nothing to do with you know intuitive healing but they really do because if your body is yeah. broken and you're not strong how is your if your if your spirit is living inside of a broken body how the hell are you meant to channel messages effectively do you know what I mean? oh That's my god dan you have just put into words what i've been saying for the last <laughs> year like how, like you see all these people who are like energy masters and all of this kind of thing but they look their bodies look like shit they like, look like a toad yeah yeah like how can you give energy to people like or good energy to people when you're not looking after your own physical body do you know what i mean and i know like people the gurus on a hill older people and stuff that's fine but it's if you're uh, if you're able to like be fit and healthy and physically fit, then you can hold more of that energetic stuff. And the more physically fit I get, and the more grounded I get, and in my body and in my bones, then the more of that energetic stuff seems to get louder, bigger. And I don't believe that there's people who I know there's people out there who are genuine people. But I also see a lot of people who are going, I'm an energy healer, you know, all of this stuff. But they're actually, mm. they look physically wrecked. Yeah, and, yeah, and they, they might be a really good energy healer, but they'd probably be, be a, so much better of an energy healer if they just fix their own health a little bit. Yeah. Like the, the best analogy we learned from Paul Check, who totally embodies what we say, and hence why we probably gravitated towards him, because he is in his 60s and he's like super fit strong healthy but he's probably one of the most highly spiritually developed people on the planet so it just proves that they both go hand in hand yeah. but he gave the analogy of an antenna because we all just receive messages from somewhere the universe god consciousness where we get these messages from i don't know but if you just imagine a television aerial or an antenna and that's crooked it's not going to receive very clear messages is it exactly. and if your if your body is crooked mm. and it's unhealthy then you're not going to receive the clearer messages. Are you? That's that's a really simple analogy I always go back to. Exactly. And your spine is your antenna as well. I remember Warren yeah. always saying that your spine is your antenna to the universe. And you're right. If your spine can't flow and move, and the more that you can get your spinal flow, pelvic flow, all of that kind of stuff, the more that you're going to get those kind of sacred energies come coming through. Yeah. So, so going back to things like strength training, well, any type of physical activity which is going to improve your well-being, then that's that's your ability to do any sort of other kind of mystical healing or um, spirituality is going to be better. And things like diet, you might think, well, what's diet got to do with it? But if you're eating junk food, which is poisoned, you're going to have poisoned thoughts because your brain is just made of what you eat. You are what you eat. So junk food creates junk thoughts. And how are you going to deliver messages if your body is literally made of something that was toxic so it's actually really simple when you think about it but we don't get taught to think about these things do we yeah toxic in toxic out so yeah. would you want to be energetically healed from someone who eats crap can't like move properly yeah and like we said there are kind of spiritual people out there who don't look you know who don't particularly portray healthiness but they're almost 
doing it like some people i believe have a gift like a really strong power to do these things but they almost do it in spite of how they feel yeah when they'd be so much better if they, they looked after the health and i listen to a guy who typically to look at he's not a stereotypically kind of spiritually looking guy but he shares some really good wisdom and he always says like like you literally alluded to just previously he look, reads like spiritual books and these like philosophy books but he says he turns the book around and looks at the author and says do i want to look like him no <laughs> like <laughs> everything he says is brilliant but why isn't he embodying that yeah because you might you know you might be a philosopher you might have these really profound thoughts but why aren't you looking after your own health if if for me to take what you're saying seriously you should be looking after your own health and taking after your own advice exactly embodiment first and the mm. more that you that's what my book is called the embodied it's like literally the more you embody your health and yourself and you the other stuff happens naturally rather than trying to force it and like you can't explain it until you feel it and like because yeah it's like you like you really really need to work on your strength <laughs> the stronger yeah. your container the more you can hold and it's like it makes sense really to us you know you wouldn't put hot water into a plastic container would you because it just melts so you've got to make your container strong enough to hold all of that energy and the more the stronger your container the more you can hold yeah exactly it's kind of the whole live it then teach it isn't it yeah hence why there's like a lot of fake gurus out there because they can watch a couple of videos pretend that they know it all but to be really strengthened you have to go through life and like steel sharpen steel as they say like life kind of has to batter you a little bit to really learn that the deep lessons but there's a lot of fake gurus out there isn't there who can do a two-day course online and pretend to be a life coach which is like laughable oh, <laughs> really God, yeah well you would hope that kind of economics would push those ones out <laughs> yeah, like yeah, people exactly. would they wouldn't get very good reviews and stuff but mm. yeah it's it's worrying isn't it like it's the same with pilates you can do like an online two-day course and say you're a pilates teacher and it's like mm. yeah but um but you were saying is is part of your new is it an, like an online program yes I have. yeah it's yeah so strength training is going to be part of that as well oh absolutely i believe in the power of the strength training <laughs> so so for you what is the main benefits of strength training then well, I would say it starts with your bones. Let's mm. go deep into the bones. Like women in the, in the UK and well globally, after the age of fifty, the statistic is three in one globally. I think it's actually higher in the UK, two in one. Women will experience osteoporosis, osteoporotic fractures, and that's because their bones weaken because we lose estrogen through menopause. But equally if you're not lifting weights like lifting weights makes your bones strong yeah it's so, a stimulus which which demands a response from the body doesn't it yeah so let's start with the bones the the more the stronger your muscles are they pull on the bones which makes the bones stronger so the density of the bone increases so you sh there's no need to lose your bone density and if we're talking about the osteoporosis and the antenna of the spine the thing of osteoporosis is it weakens your spine the bones and so that you start to get hunched over posture and it's very dangerous actually it's like your foundations are crumbling so you really we don't often think about looking after our bones but health starts there really yeah and attached to the bone there's ligaments and tendons and 
uh, like the analogy we used previous, if your body was going to be an antenna or a mast, there's always holding that mast up. There's always guide ropes or guide wires. If you think of those guide wires as your ligaments and tendons, and if you strengthen those through weightlifting and things like that, it's going to hold that mast up better. Like the analogy is, your posture is going to be a lot better. So yeah, and it works. Like I said, all it is is just a stimulus and your body has to respond to improve because your body likes to make life as easy as possible at all times so if you put it under a little bit of stress then it, it thinks jill's lifting bloody kettlebells three times a week this is hard what i'll do is i'll build some more muscle i'll make my ligaments and my tendons and my bones stronger because i want this to be easier and yeah. that's literally all that happens so then over time you have to lift a heavier kettlebell every time because your body has adapted to the stress that's called progressive overload to give it a fancy term and weight training so that's why all of a sudden you can lift four kilos and six weeks later you can lift six kilos because your body has adapted. So you have to kind of keep it guessing. Absolutely. And like when we first start, when you first started teaching us kettlebells, Dan, we were all on four kilos. Now we're on 12. Well, I am. Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now I think of it as I can lift three times the amount that I started off with like four years ago. So like and they say like as you age you can't adapt like it's not as easy to adapt it bloody well is your body will adapt like yeah. just keep going at it that's the thing people start these things and then go oh, stopped it was too hard and it's like yeah that's the point it's meant to be hard yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> there's, a, there's a really whether this is true or not it probably isn't it's probably just a myth but the whole progressive overload like you say you go from four kilos to five to six all the way up to 12 and you kind of don't really see it coming if you do it over a long enough period it, yeah. it just happens doesn't it and the whole theory behind that is there was a one of the stories in ancient greece there was a wrestler called milo and he um to build up his strength there was a calf born like a baby calf and he, he used to walk with the calf on his shoulders every day to strengthen his legs and he just did it every day until the calf was then a bull, like two years later. <laughs> but the progressive overload, the calf was getting only slightly heavier every day. So he didn't notice. But after two years, he was carrying, he was walking around with a bull on his shoulders every day. <laughs> like I say, probably yeah. not true, but the principle, the principle therein is the same. Yeah. Progressive overload is true. Yeah. So, yeah. like, how long ago we started kettlebells just before lockdown? So, what was that? Four years ago. So, mm. in what? Four years? I've increased the weight that I can lift by three times. So yeah, it's pretty impressive. Also, I'm three, three or four years older. Yeah, so true, true. I'm in my fifties now, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen a few winters. <laughs> I've seen a few winters. I've been around that sun a couple of times, but it's like, yes, you can adapt. It doesn't matter what age you are. You progress using progressive overloads, and if you use it wisely, you can absolutely increase your bone density and muscle strength and muscle mass. So it's always yeah, and, start with bones. Yeah, and and uh, moving on from bones to muscle mass, like you were saying, it's there's a lot of people think, oh, muscle mass. Mass is probably not a nice word. People think, oh, I'll get bulky if I have muscle mass. It's not. It's just lean muscle and you just have muscle on your bones. Not many people can put on muscle mass, like huge amounts. It's, it's not really realistic. But having muscle is a good thing. Like for one, aesthetically, it's pleasing. People, if you look at someone and they look healthy, they've probably got really nice lean muscle. You know, they've got a relatively healthy body fat percentage and they've got muscle where it should be. Doesn't mean you walk around like a bodybuilder, but doing weight training makes you look aesthetically better, which makes you feel better, 
which makes you normally act better. So it's kind of good for everyone. If you're it's looking a ripple out effect. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There might be a little bit of vanity comes into it as well. But who isn't vain? Everyone wants to look and feel the best. It often yeah. gets a bad rap for like weightlifting and things like that. But for anyone who's ever experienced it, in the end, you do it for the feeling and not not just the aesthetics. The, the exactly. feeling is what you go for. It makes you feel good. Well, maybe not while you're doing it, but once you've finished, it like you feel so good because you've done it and lifted some weights and it, like your body's meant to do it. Yeah, and and kind of metaphorically speaking, it's overcoming resistance and you always feel good when there's an obstacle and you overcome and that's exactly what weightlifting is there yeah. is a heavy thing which you need which is challenging and to overcome it feels good so exactly. like on a deep psychological level you actually feel proud of yourself and you, if that that feeling that you've just described that is like builds confidence builds self-esteem so it like it's it's those kind of emotional mental qualities as well yeah. that come from lifting weights it like you feel like much more confident like you take up more space in the world but <laughs> you kind of like yeah. yes no that yeah it makes you feel powerful doesn't it yeah powerful yeah and it's strangely addictive especially when like you were saying you see the increases as well mm. because we're all logical to some degree we like to see progress you will feel it you will see it on your body but when you know that you can go from four kilos up to 12 and you look back over that you think i'm actually really proud of that i'm impressed like and, yeah. and it, it, it makes you want to keep going and they're just numbers but in our logical you know is it left side or right side is logical you you like seeing those numbers increase don't you yes left for logical i think so i know i don't think i'll get any higher than 12 kilos because there's only so much you can push away like yeah push, oh, yeah, yeah. push up but it's like it, it is a, such an achievement and like a lot of my ladies who started like when we opened up back up after lockdown and i remember one of them coming in with a four kilo weight going are you sure this is the right weight it seems really heavy now <laughs> she's on an eight <laughs> an eight or a ten yeah. Oh, yeah. so it's like it's un real the change that you can see in in your clients as well like it's amazing really and like new people coming in and we always say like start on a four and now when i lift a four it feels really light <laughs> yeah it's just a doorstop <laughs> yeah so it's you can progress really quickly and i love that i love it it's just like yeah and it keeps and you looking young as well i think it like you know, you look younger if you've got good posture, and that's oh, what absolutely, yeah. muscle mu muscle building actually does because it's holding up your structure, your architecture, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it can often be a good trigger for other healthy habits as well. Yeah. So if you do if you do a, a strength class, do kettlebells, it could be a good trigger to then eat healthy, to maybe to not have any alcohol that night. So this is with any exercise program as well. Yeah. It's it, it can be a very good trigger for other healthy habits. Hence why a lot of people, not me, but enjoy exercising really early in the morning because they think it's it for them it sets them up for the rest of the day. Other mm -hmm. people have the opposite where they think I'm gonna do a Pilates class this evening. I'm gonna be really good all the way up until then. Do, do you know do you know what I mean? If they if yeah. they have that trigger in place, people are kind of set up differently. For me, I feel the strongest probably around the middle of the day when I've had breakfast. But everyone's different, but it can be used as a really good trigger to stay on track. That's why it's really important to kind of to plan your plan your training sessions. Think, all right, I'm doing Pilates Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. At least you know 
you're going to be looking forward to something if you just do it spontaneously you know life comes along it's a cold dark night you don't do it that's why classes and programs that's one of the big advantages you know you have a time and a place to do something and it keeps all the other healthy habits in place absolutely i know when i start like properly lifting weights it makes me want to eat more protein as well so i think naturally you tune into better ways of eating it makes you sleep better of course when you start lifting weights because you're building your lean muscle you that's metabolically active so like fat just sits on your body and just is there causing problems whereas when you've got lean muscle mass it requires calories so you can end up eating the same food like same calories in a day but you're actually burning more naturally because your muscles are taking the calories in so it boosts your metabolism so you hear a lot of people going oh my metabolism's stuck or my metabolism slowed down well the way to increase your metabolism is to lift some weights yeah exactly and it's a, a little bit of a it can trip you up a little bit if you do like a heavy kettlebell session or something you can feel very hungry so yeah. you have to have a little bit of discipline to eat the right things as well because it's pointless if you go and <laughs> do kettlebells then have a domino's pizza like because but you will probably <laughs> sometimes feel as hungry as like you could eat a full domino's pizza because it requires a lot of energy energy to lift heavy weights doesn't it so yeah yeah the the they both go hand in hand you have to have that you still have to maintain discipline you can't just I see it every day in the gym. People who come come and do the workout six days a week and the body never changes because the diet's probably not in check and the sleep's probably not in check. So training's one aspect of it, but it's really good. Yeah. And like you say, you can't out what is it, out train an unhealthy diet. Yeah, and mm. it's it's like it's so, so evident. Honestly, all it takes is maybe a month to really tighten up on your diet and you'd be like, why didn't I do this before? It's just so drastic. Yeah. <clears throat> like training's yeah. almost the easy part. It feels horrible when you're doing it sometimes, but it's only an hour, three times a week or whatever. But your diet is like you're awake for 16 hours and bad food is always calling you. That, so that's <laughs> that for, for any exercise program or health program, diet is normally the big one because it's in your face. It's so accessible you might have a lifetime of bad habits probably a, a different episode we should you know we should go into this like hours couldn't we and we have in other podcasts yeah so we'll stick to strength training but yeah when you do your strength training like you said protein is really important because you literally when you do strength training your muscles are literally getting broken down you get those micro tears in the muscle so you're actually causing very slight damage hence why you can be sore the next day and like we say, and it's just a stimulus and your body then has to repair that. It has to respond. If you put little tiny tears in your muscle off strength training, the next few days, your body thinks, if we're going to be doing that again, I want some more muscle because I want it to be easier. So it repairs the muscle very slightly stronger and bigger, which you need protein to do. Hence why you're going to need a heavier kettlebell over time because your body has more muscle. It's like It's a very simple response, really, but you have to do it correctly. Absolutely. And one of the other reasons why you should be strength training is it makes your life so much easier, so much easier to carry your shopping, to get in and out of a car, to get up and down stairs. It just, it, your life just becomes much easier. Like we see people, I mean, you've only got to look around outside at the moment and see how many unhealthy people are huffing and puffing. Oh, and yeah. it's 
honestly, it's scary when you look. I have never seen such an unhealthy nation of people at the at that is around at the moment. I don't know what you're the kind of people you're getting into the gym, Dan. But I've had so many queries from people wanting to start classes and stuff and it's amazing that they want to start doing stuff but i've had people who can't even get upstairs and like my studio is mm. upstairs and it's i think people are wanting to come to pilates because it's like a gateway it is a gateway to fitness but there's also a certain level of fitness that you have to have to be able to come to a class you know like you have to be able to get up the stairs you've got to be able to get yeah. on, on and off the floor it's a mat-based class and stuff like that you know so it's it, I've never had this before <laughs> in mm. like my thir- like 25 years of teaching fitness, like how unhealthy people are. And I, I do think it's a knock on from lockdown, actually. Yeah, yeah, probably. And the standard is pretty low. And it's probably because everything is so easy. You don't even have to get off your couch to order a meal. You just order it and it gets deli- delivered to your door. Yeah. And if you, if you live with a partner, you don't even have to get off the couch. They can go and answer the door for you and bring it right <laughs> to your lap. And have three thousand calories of fish and chips and ice cream, and you've barely and you haven't left the couch. Whereas our DNA still dictates that we are hunter gatherers, and we should be going out and chasing a deer for three mile and dragging the carcass back to the campfire. <laughs> so like, <laughs> you burn more the calories than you would even consume. Yeah, it's. I'm just reading this book at the moment about this lady who is trying to live for a year just on foraged foods, oh, and. Well. So she's a herbalist. She knows kind of like the foods that and when they're like so. So basically, at the moment, every day she's out like digging tubers up out of the ground and collecting mm. mushrooms, and she spends like about two hours. It's, it's making me not want to be a forager. To be fair, oh, no, <laughs> I don't think you could work and live this life. But if you think hunter gatherer people, they didn't. That was their job to stay alive, right? Yeah. So we've just invented eco- economics and money and stuff and. So every day for about two or three hours, she's out walking the hills, digging up tubers. She brings them home. She spends two hours cleaning them down and like roasting them or something. And she's trying to use traditional methods as well. <laughs> it's mm. just, like, oh Rough. my God. Yeah, it is hard work. And then when she works out like how many calories it is, she's like lost so much weight because uh, like the calories that you get off a tuber and some leaves and stuff are hardly the same as like a domino of pizza and a tub yeah. of ice cream. Yeah. And she spent like three hours trying to get them out, out in the air and dig in and stuff. And it's like, you could see why they were quite slender in those days. Yeah. And and you would see why, not bashing any vegans, you could see why killing a woolly mammoth would be like a high prize because oh God, the, yeah. the amount of calories in a mammoth or a big mammal would sustain the whole tribe, not just a couple of, you know, blueberries. You yeah. would, you know, we were we were killers. We still are. We don't really do it ethically these days, but that's why in our DNA, we would kill animals to eat them. Because mm-hmm. over a winter, a mully mammoth would, you know, would probably make most members of the tribe survive. Whereas yeah. digging up a few roots and vegetables, the whole tribe would really struggle to live on that. So, um, We're designed to live on, and she said that one of the things that she's missed, she is eating fish, but she's like, only when it's in season kind of thing and like oh, okay. the fella's catching it for her and it's like mm. a, she's got like a gamekeeper fella who's given her venison but she's only trying to eat when it's in season like that she's missing like fat and we are yeah. designed to eat fat it's Talking like out, yeah. you need fat in in your diet and like all these like bloody fat-free 
things. I mean, you know, I could rant on for hours about fat-free mm. diets. <laughs> it's still like we'll we'll we'll, like, we'll give people a really like a really quick answer here. Don't associate fat on a on a food label with body fat. Two different things. Yeah, and it's just they just have the same word, and it's just people get so confused. Body fat and dietary fat are different things. <laughs> Your body needs fat for hormones and many other things. So yeah, don't get bogged down with fat and body fat. Different things. Just eat fat. Eat fat. In fact, I went looking for lard the other day in the village, right? Like good lard <laughs> to do octopus in. You need lard. Don't sell mm. it. Don't sell it couldn't, anywhere. Couldn't find it. Stop selling it in the co-op. I was like, why have you stopped selling lard? <laughs> I'm having a right rant to the lady. But you can buy margarine, which has about 9,000 like, ingredients. Shit. Yeah. Polyunsaturated shit. Yeah. But I can't buy good old lard. Mm, different different episode. Different episode, isn't it? Yeah, I did find some eventually in like a little store. That's You know, we've got one of those stores that sells everything. Yeah, we have one lard. in Coxa as well. <laughs> you can get like a deck chair, some guttering, yeah. some lard, <laughs> and some yeah. cigarettes. <laughs> that kind of store. So, um, yeah. yeah, Christmas lights and lard. That's, I think that's what I bought. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah, lard. And lard has the same pH as your skin as well, you know. It's one of the best things to put on your skin. Oh, right. I didn't know, yeah. I've seen people use fat for sunscreen. Yeah, makes oh, it yeah, hard to I'm... catch as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you're shoplifting it, just cover yourself in lard. You can nick it from the shop. <laughs> Nobody can catch it. <laughs> anyway, we digress. So where mm. were we up to, Dan? Remind us. Went off on to... a tangent there about unhealthy yeah. people. Let me do. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, what's right? What does... Think of something else. Why is strength training good? Aesthetics, really good. Bone density, really good. Muscle good mass. habits, really good. Helps you sleep better, also really good. Even mental. just when you're doing it, mental health, yeah. Endorphins, when you're actually doing it, really good. Um, oh, here's a good one. I've just thought of. Reduces the risk of injury. Yeah, if done correctly, yes, definitely. Mm, because when you've got strong muscles, strong bones, if you fall over, you bounce. You don't crumble. And mm -hmm. um, there's a horrendous statistic of women over 50 who fracture their hips have, it's like, what's the statistic? I need to look it up, but it, it's a really high, it's like 30% of them are dead within like a year. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. It's a horrible statistic. So if you know, not looking, I can't emphasize the enoughness <laughs> of looking after your bone health because once they're gone, mm. they're gone. And, you know, like, I've had clients come to me with us like younger than me with osteoporosis and one of the one of them was like i'm in my 50s you know <laughs> so bad yeah, <laughs> just came 40, out of my mouth before you've got 40 years left yeah, yeah. and she was uh, like their posture is so bad and it's you, you can't reverse osteoporosis once you've got it mm, you have to manage it you can reverse osteopenia which is the precursor to osteoporosis you can get yourself out of that but once you've got osteoporosis, you your bones become like an aero bar, like aerated, mm. and they're really crumbly. And so the ones that are particularly at risk are your neck ones, because the neck vertebrae are the thinnest ones, and your wrists. You see a lot of women who break their wrists, fall over. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you put your hand out and then your wrists get really crumbly. It's just a horrendous disease. And like, I don't actually think that people pay enough attention, attention to it until it's too late. Yeah, and 
like to go back to a point you said earlier, it kind of relates to what you say now. There is a really good carryover effect of doing strength training to everyday activities. For instance, like falling is quite extreme, but it will help you out. But you even said it when you did strength training with me, you want to be strong enough to walk two Labradors. Yeah. <laughs> like, but that might sound like a funny saying, but if you have two full-grown Labradors who want to chase a pigeon, you have to be very strong to to look after that, to, to manage that stress on your muscles, mm-hmm. on your bones, on your body. And the perfect way to train for that is strength training. Do you know? Absolutely. K- kettlebells. Uh, and, and that's just one example. There's many other examples of just everyday life where it will have a very functional carryover. And even if things go wrong, it can save you. Like you say, in last week, it was freezing cold. It was icy. If you fall over, if you have strong bones, it could be the chance of you breaking your hip, not breaking your hip, which could be, like you said, the chance of the the difference between life or death, depending on where you're at. It's, yeah. It can be that drastic. It can be. And like you say, it's it's being able to do the things that you love to do. Like, I love having dogs. I love having Labradors. And you know how strong a Labrador is now. Mm. And like having two of them, yeah, you're right. Like, oh God, yeah. If I if they if I have them on the lead and they see a cat, I'm literally like have to squat <laughs> to hold on. Yeah, so them. strong, so strong, yeah. Uh huh. And I think like like you see people out with dogs that they can't hold on to. I, I no. often think like if that dog wants to go for mine, you're not strong enough to hold on to that dog because you can. Like, dogs are Good strong. Luck. Yeah, yeah. There was a guy I was walking Rufus the other day. And there was a guy with an Alsatian and he'd just let it off the lead. And he, he was quite maybe 50 meters away, but he didn't see me. But I had Rufus on the lead and the Alsatian just ran all the way up to us and stood and barked in our face oh, till, till the owner got there. And luckily, like Rufus wasn't really intimidated. The Alsatian was massive compared to him, but he's so dumb. <laughs> he didn't really know he was in danger. <laughs> and I just stood me ground. But this older guy was... 50 meters away and it took him so long <laughs> to get there that like yeah. if but if helen and the baby or emily were there it would have been very intimidating so even just things like his general health if he could have just got there quicker yeah do you know what i mean it, it would have it could have like helped us out but yeah walking dogs um, the statistics for people falling over and walking dogs must be huge oh getting their shoulders pulled or shoulders you know pulled, like yeah. you've got to be strong to walk a big dog even a little dog, if, they, if you're not expecting it and they go shooting off somewhere. Yeah. Even tripping over your dog in the bloody house. Everyone's done it. Like mm-hmm. these, especially when, especially when food's involved, you turn around and you're at the fridge and You've there's black dogs. And there's a, there's a Labrador <laughs> trying to get into your soul so you, you can get in, <laughs> you can get a piece of cheese. And it's like you trip over them and like you say, if you fall, it's so much better for you. So, yeah. yeah things like, like strength training, there, there is a real life benefit, not just aesthetics. Not just feeling good, like practicality. There's there's a definite definite benefit. Absolutely. Even just being able to get up a hill. Like, how many people do you yeah. see huffing and puffing, getting upstairs? And do you know what? The, like the one I really hate. It, it's difficult to really hate on it, but because you don't know the circumstances, people who look generally healthy and not young, but maybe middle aged, who are in mobility scooters, <laughs> just yeah. because they look overweight and. I, like I say, it's hard to hate on it because they, they could have complications. Yeah. You don't know, but some of them just look overweight and you think, how has it got to that? Mm. It's, it's, we used to. I know to people in our village who are my mammoths. Yeah, we used to kill mammoths, <laughs> saber tooth tigers, and now you have to be on wheels 
<laughs> could have been healthy. <laughs> we used like, to kill saber-toothed tigers. Now we're on wheels. <laughs> now we're on wheels. In in a pretty short amount of time. It's 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 that's where that's where we go. <laughs> that's got to be the quote of the podcast today. Yeah. Now now, now our legs don't work. Don't even work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, oh gosh, there's a new thing I've just remembered. Well, I've got to get it out of my head because I'll forget. There was some research I was reading the other day as well that the stronger your quadriceps are, they're doing some really good research at the moment around quadriceps strength and Alzheimer's and dementia. Oh, well, that's interesting. And there's yeah. a really strong connection between being having strong quads and a reduction in dementia. Oh, really? So yeah, get your goblet squats done with your cowbell. Your goblet squats. Absolutely, yeah. I was I did them yesterday, actually. Very good exercise. So is there anything else on your list of No, empowerment. Benefits? We've talked about empowerment, haven't we? And confidence. Yeah, yeah. So needless to say, there's a lot of health benefits to doing strength training. And we've spoken about kettlebells a lot. There's loads of different types of strength training. Kettlebells are so versatile. You need one kettlebell. If you get stronger, you might need a few. In lockdown, they were about a million pound. They're not now. They're like, <laughs> they're like, a, they're like a quarter of the, like, the price is actually really cheap. I always find that Argos have really good deals on kettlebells for some reason. Yeah. But they're very accessible. The amount of different exercises is brilliant. And because it's kettlebells. a free weight, because it's a free weight, it's, you know, you can do all these different moves. Like you say, the functional carryover to everyday life is good. You carry it like a suitcase. You lift it above your head. You can hold it at your chest and squat. It's it'd be brilliant. So, big yeah. f- like me and you are big fans of the kettlebell. If you're going to buy a kettlebell, buy the iron ones. Mm, I would cast say iron, yeah. not the the plastic ones because they're so bulky. Get yeah, the, get the iron ones. But that's about it. Yeah, start with a four. Work your way up. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. Anything else you want to add in? No, if you want to find out more about strength training or what types of training, then you can get my book, The Embodied Core. Yeah, if you yeah, go onto my website, organicpilates.co.uk, you'll find the link there. It must sound good being an established author now, does it? It feels like, I don't think I've appreciated it enough. Like, yeah. It's passed you by. It has, but I need to, yeah, I need to like embody it more now that, yes, published author, available on Amazon or on my website if you want a signed copy. Yeah. <laughs> New York Times bestseller. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> I nearly got to the Amazon bestseller if I'd managed to re- release both of my uh, online, like the ebook and the real book at the same time. I would have uh, got to number four. So uh, kind of in the top 10 bestsellers. So. That's all pretty good. Yeah. 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 That's all pretty good. So I was quite proud of that. But um, yeah, it's, it is. It's, uh, I need to embody that authorship more. Absolutely. Yeah. But things just, that's like me being a parent. You just it happens, and you don't think about it. it, it yes. you just you just do it, don't you? Yeah, like birthing a book is very similar to birthing. <laughs> a little less painful in different ways, but physically painful, but mentally <laughs> <laughs> mentally painful as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. And what about you, Dan? Where are you? Are you still at the gym? Oh yeah, I'm. I'm far too. I'm just too busy being a parent at the moment. But yeah. the the gym in January has been crazy. Oh. So teaching kettlebells this Friday night, and there's full class waiting list and it is a january buzz but we you know what i mean it's our job to try and make those people stay and try and convince oh. them that it's a, it's it's, it's a long-term game it's a long-term game that's one of the big things we should say about strength training as well the initial part you might be uncomfortable you might be sore you might not see any benefits stick with it honestly stick with it it's, it's worth it in the long run oh. even if 
instead of trying to do the best program in the world and doing six days a week for a month, do two sessions a week for the rest of your life. That's where the benefits are. Exactly. And for at the moment, I'm doing like, I just invented my own little program that I do every day. Uh, it only takes us six minutes or two mm. Tina Turner songs. I've been listening to Tina Turner while I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been doing them between clients, you know, just getting the kettlebells out and just, and I've got like a, a leg day, arm day, arm and chest, shoulder day. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. So I just like progress, like, so every day, well, apart from Wednesday, it's me resting. And then on a Saturday, mm. I teach kettlebells. So every day I'm, doing something with the kettlebell and actually really see the, the difference already and feel mm. the difference. In fact, my triceps are hurting today. And something I meant to mention before, if people, if you, like you say, good point, start on a light kettlebell, start at a four. If you find yourself, you're going to be frustrated with your progress and you, you feel as though you kind of quite manage to go to the six and you, you kind of want to hurry things up. You don't, it's weight is not the thing that you always move up in or you're progressing. You might do more reps, you might do mm. more rounds, you might shorten the time intervals in between you do them, you might do more training sessions a week. You're still using the same four kilo kettlebell, but you can alter the other variables to make it more challenging. And then eventually you will get to the six. And that's why it's important to have like a plan. Yeah. Yeah. That's why good. you need to see me and Dan because we can both write you a plan. Yeah. There's, there's more than just the weight. The weight is, an important aspect but if you just even if you can lift a 10 kilo kettlebell if if you went back to the four and said right do all the same exercises do twice the amount with half the rest intervals you would get a very good workout <laughs> believe uh, me so. indeed yeah and it's about <laughs> going back into other things now it's like yeah. the patterns the muscles the pat the primal patterns i always train in a primal pattern rather than a muscle group yeah so there's loads of variables loads of things that you need to think about which actually as well, I'll just do a little plug for my kettlebell class on a Saturday morning at 9.30. I've already designed all those ke all those variables and you can join online as well. So it's 9.30 on a Saturday morning and you can join via Zoom as well. Just book on my website. There you go. It's as if like Jill was trained in like this health and fitness thing. It's, you would think... <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? You think I'd spent years training as a strength yeah, coach. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... It's been great talking to you, Dan. I'm glad to see you all in yeah, one place after know, yeah, yeah. tidal wave. But yeah, just flow over. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Nice to be back at it. Yeah, we'll get we'll get back online. Get all your people in the kettlebell class to listen to this podcast as well, and then um, yeah, yeah, good idea. Might make them stick a bit longer. Cool. Yeah, not just a January fitness buzz. Yeah, <laughs> I wish everyone was as motivated for the whole of the year as they are in January. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, Right then, guys. Okay, thanks for listening. Remember, if you enjoy what if what you're listening to, please share or like and comment and leave us some feedback. That's always good to hear. Yeah, cool. And we'll see you again soon for another okay. episode. Again soon. Bye.